0: This episode of The Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And Life Saving Systems Corporation, we do our work so you can do yours. Tough gear for tough jobs. Breeze Eastern, They dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at Breeze-Eastern.com. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help with your helicopter training, a standardization and safety check, or maybe just an audit or an FAA refresher. They are here to bring your agency up to date with the most current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. The training staff is awesome! With the Certified Flight Instructor Pilots, Experienced Crew Members, which I am happy to say that I am one of them, they offer training in rescue, medical, tactical, firefighting, ground operations, and night vision goggle use. SR3 is also partnered with Petzl to assist with personal protective equipment and the highly specific Lazard. SR3 also goes beyond the helicopter world as they provide high angle rescue training and tactical medicine training. Contact them today at sr3rescueconcepts.com or over on Instagram at sr3 underscore rescue and Life Saving Systems Corporation. They manufacture the world's toughest helicopter rescue gear. From my favorite harness as a rescue man, the Triton harness, to the rescue baskets, the litters, and of course the most popular hook in all helicopters. The D-Lock. The team at LSC will cut, bend, sew, weld, and machine these products into existence every day. We do our work so you can do yours. LSC. Tough gear for tough jobs. Check them out today at lifesavingsystems.com and follow them on Instagram at Rescue Gear. That's at R-E-S-Q-G-E-A-R. He is back with another epic rescue. Came with an air medal out of Kodiak, Alaska. United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 122, my friend, Mr. George Cavallo. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue Podcast. I have yet another amazing guest, but this makes it even better because this is round two. Boom. U.S. Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 122, Mr. George Cavallo. What's up, George? Letting
1: for punishment. I'm back.
0: Yeah, I'm okay with it. Well, that's because you have more stories and I want to hear them.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell them to you.
0: Nice. So uh, since everybody out there should know who you are, I, I'm going to move right into this. And, and so you you recap, I'm going to recap a little bit. So you went out and got a killer case off um, Humboldt Bay where the C-130 had gone in and you had one lone survivor out of it. It was an incredible story. Uh, even my wife, when she listened to, she was like, wow, like, are, are there really sharks in the water that go around? I'm like, yeah, yeah there's, there's other stories like that too. <laughs> so, but now we are going to move up into Kodiak, Alaska, where this case happened, um, which was awesome. And, and actually I was, you and I were just talking a little bit offline, but I actually met you uh, like three weeks, two to three weeks prior to this case. Cause I had come up to Alaska real quick. We had had a break in school where we, it was a, um, we went into holiday routine and all of us, we had like a week off. So I found up to Kodiak with my family at the time and my youngest daughter had just been born. So I dropped into the swimmer shop. I'm like, Hey, I'm the guy that's going to be coming here in like three months. You're like, yeah, sure you are.
1: <laughs> well, I think we made you come to the pool, right? We did. That's the Kodiak yeah. way. You know, that's if you're right. going to be a swimmer, you got to We had some pretty tough workouts in Kodiak, that's for sure.
0: I remember getting my ass kicked, yeah. which is probably the best thing for me.
1: I'm pretty sure the guys were trying to make you throw up as a new airman in the pool. And, yeah. and you know, so in, 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 in essence, torturing all of ourselves while you were in the pool with us. But
0: newly noted, you know, that was that never came out. Just... <laughs> it's the Kodiak awesome. way. it is indeed. I love it. Uh, so we have. So I met you, like I said, just before then Then I went back to school, and poof, you're on duty, and here you are, and you pull in this incredible rescue, and and I'm going to read it, and then yeah, please walk. Well, us well through actually, us. I wasn't
1: on duty. I, you know, I was the chief of the shop, so um, I still stood duty, but not as often as as most of the other guys. Um, so I actually was in my uh, my tropical blues working uniform, more of an office dress uniform. And one of the guys had cut his finger and had to go over to medical and get some stitches. And so was sent home. So I just and, you know, I, I think it was, you know, like a Friday or it was a weird nobody really want. I go, oh, I'll take the duty, whatever. But I was still in my uniform. And I'm sure this guy, you know, whoever it was, was out of the shop, not more than an hour and the whoopee went off and here I am in my dress uniform. So now I got to run and switch out of that, put on my, 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 dry suit and get ready to be rescue swimmer guy. And that's the way it happens. That's know, the way it happens. There's so
0: many stories like that. It wasn't my duty day, but.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. You don't, you don't see too many chiefs pulling a, an air metal, uh, you know, usually by that time they're more in an office, but you know, in, in Kodiak, it, the chief and the senior chief, uh, Olaf Lavelle. Yeah, you had to stand duty. I mean, yeah. you just got to lead from the front. It's so extreme there. But we, you know, we definitely didn't stand duty as much as everybody else. But we were in the rotation for sure.
0: Well, it was uh, it was super nice. You know, like for me coming in, uh, it definitely set a precedent and a standard for me. You know, as my career has progressed, and and even now, I, I mean, I still stand the ready. The, and I've been doing this for twenty years. I I love it. And when that call comes in. It, Man, I get all yeah, jazzed yeah. up and ready to go, but um, I think
1: you have to. I think you have to. That keeps you in tune of what's going on, and and yeah. you know, you know what the guys are going through, right?
0: Yeah. Well, and, and you know what, you guys were always cool because all of us that had young kids or uh, families, you guys would usually take a lot of the holidays. You'd take Christmas, or you know, it's like, oh, we don't have kids right now, so yeah, we'll we'll take this, which is really nice for the rest of us. Yeah. yeah yeah Olaf and i
1: we always would rotate one of us to take christmas and one of us would take new year's but yeah at uh, least we could. Gonna... We, had a, we had a good group of guys up there
0: it was always funny when you guys were standing in duty and then the alarm would go off and then all of a sudden you'd be flying out the illusion chain and we'd be like yeah see you in three days <laughs> <laughs> here goes the boss <laughs> sweet he's gone Bye. for the next three days Bye. that's how it works <laughs> i mean it was uh We uh, represented the shop every time you left for that amount of time.
1: (laughs) Yep, yep.
0: Uh, Anyway, all right. So this case right here, uh, like I said, incredible. So I'm excited to read it. Citation to accompany the award of the Air Medal to George R. Cavallo, Chief Aviation Survival Technician, United States Coast Guard. Chief Petty Officer Cavallo. Is cited for heroic achievement in aerial flight while serving as rescue swimmer of Coast Guard HH 60J helicopter 6023 on the afternoon of January 5th, 2000. The aircrew was engaged in a perilous rescue of three survivors from the fishing vessel Raduga. Is that pronounced correctly?
1: Uh, Radiga.
0: Radiga. Sorry. From the fishing vessel Radiga. The capsized off the coast of Kodiak, Alaska, in a heavy snowstorm. Dispatched Coast Guard Air Station Kodiak, the air crew skillfully navigated the aircraft around terrain through heavy snow, one and a half mile visibility, and 40 knot winds. Arriving on scene with the capsized vessel, Chief Cavallo immediately recognized that one of the survivors had been unable to make it into Radigan's survival raft and was floundering in the stormy seas. Deploying into the churning 25-foot seas, Chief Cavallo fought his way to the first survivor. As the rescue basket was lowered into the water to recover the survivor, he discovered that the victim's survival suit has completely filled with water, making him almost impossible to manage in the huge seas. Despite the towering seas, Chief Cavallo successfully placed a fisherman into the rescue basket, enabling him to safely be hoisted into the helicopter. Over the next 30 minutes, Chief Cavallo was deployed into the 25-foot seas two more times to recover the remaining fishermen. With all three survivors safely on board the helicopter, he immediately began warming the hypothermic survivors. As the aircraft fought its way back to Kodiak through the snowstorm conditions, Chief Cavallo continued to monitor the survivors' vital signs and condition until they were safely delivered to an awaiting ambulance. His swift, decisive performance was instrumental in the saving all three lives of the crewman fishing vessel Regatta. Radiga. Chief, sorry, Radiga. Radiga. Fishing vessel Radiga. Chief Cavallo's actions, skills were instrumental in the rescue of three survivors. His courage, judgment, and devotion to duty are most heartily commending in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Coast Guard. Wow. Um, Twenty-four foot, foot like 25 foot seas, 40 knot winds, snowstorm, just another day in Kodiak, Alaska.
1: Yeah. You know, it's so funny when they write those up because there's so much more that went on in that case. And it, it's uh, you know, I, I guess they have to write it up how they write it up, but you know, uh, the pilots were amazing what they did. I mean, we'll, and we'll talk about it when we go through it and, and the flight mechanic, you know, I mean, I, like I, I always say that those three guys, you know, I may have saved three people, but they saved four, right? <laughs> so
0: it's so true. It is yeah, so
1: true. Yeah. I love my pilots and flight mech. I mean, they're always like, they're like our guardian angels. And and I, I think they don't get enough uh, recognition. They're just amazing folks, that's for sure.
0: So I, I this says off Kodiak, like
1: yeah, uh, it was actually off. Um, what was that? Cape uh, Chiniac. So it's about 40 or 50 miles, I think. Cape Chiniac. Okay, yeah, yeah it's, it's, not, it's not super far, far, yeah, not super far as, as far as the helicopter goes. That's for sure.
0: So Kodiak Island, uh, is what they're referring to, not Kodiak Air Base. Like, you know, I got it. Okay, yeah, so hit me. So, what?
1: Yeah, so the alarm so, goes
0: off, and you're not even so in mean, a, I mean, a dress uniform, and I'm, <laughs> I'm like, What? <laughs> so and you I, you, know, I run, you look out the window, and you're like, Damn it, it's yeah. snowing.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I run in and I change, and uh, and the, you know, the whoopee's going off, and it's you know, uh, rescue stormer provide, you know, which we've heard many times, and uh, uh, and my head's not in it because I'm you know, I'm, I was doing office work that day, so I, I get my bag, I hadn't even you really look through it. It's usually ready to go. But um, so I ran out uh, on the hangar deck, and and the, of course the helicopter is all the way across. Um, the tarmac. So now it's icy and, and raining and blowing snow. So I got to put clamp ons on my boots just to get to the helicopter, right? So I, I put the spike clamp ons on my boots. I got the 80-pound rescue stormer bag over the side. You know, I'm huffing and puffing from changing from Superman in the in the telephone booth. And now I'm racing across the hangar. I hadn't even gotten in a helicopter yet, and I could have died. <laughs> it's crazy. So, you know, I get over to the helicopter and the flight next coming down, you know, from the rotor head, he had been up there doing a quick inspection, but it was so um, snarly out there that, you know, he, he comes down and, and the pilots met us all there. and we, we chit-chatted real quick and said, you know, we've got this 35 uh, foot long liner called a Mayday. And uh, they, uh, they said that the, uh, the hull fractured, Due to the, the wave state. And I'm, I'm like, the hole fractured. <laughs> what the heck does that mean? Right. Yeah. And he said, well, yeah, then we lost communication with him. So so we've got this 35 foot long liner, you know, that has the big rail reeling reel on the back so they can put all those lines of water in. So, yep. and we say a lot of them in Kodiak. And um, so, you know, we get in the helicopter like normal and, and we, we clear the engines and start up, but you know, it's a mayday, so everybody's a little more amped, right? Right. And the pilot and, you know, in Kodiak, a lot of times they'll taxi out, go over to the runway and then take off from the runway and do, do their mission. Well, the pilot asked for permission to just take off right from the ramp and was granted. the. the um, and we that's what we did. We took straight up right from the ramp, turned up over the hangar and out off offshore and started heading towards um, Chiniak. Well, the weather was such that you know the ceiling was down to about 250 300 feet and it was just blowing snow sideways right yeah and then the ocean is is 25 30 foot waves so you've got this little window of what maybe 150 200 feet to fly in right and that's where that's where we're at right and now in the back I have a little repeater right that sits between my legs where I'm looking at I can look at uh, the different airports I can I run the radios from back there as you know and then I'm also um, uh, checking to see uh, what our fuel state is and kind of keeping track of that and uh, well I realized that Chiniac's pretty close you know within 40 miles maybe 20 minute flight time I'm going to need to start getting my rescue swimmer gear on so I pass over the um, radio comms to the uh, co pilot Because when we're in the water, the co-pilot does our little radio comms, checking in with the Coast Guard, letting them know every 15 minutes that we're safe. And uh, so while I'm back there and I'm digging through my my bag, this loud bang goes off and it sounds like artillery shells. Two more bangs go off and, you know, you start looking around, right? You, You know every smell, every sight, every little hum in the back of that helicopter. And when it's off a little bit, everybody gets nervous. right? And I, I looked over at the flight mech. He looked at me pretty puzzled. And then now it sounded like a couple more rounds hit the tail. And I picked up my uh, ICS and was getting ready to say something. And the pilot comes back and he says, oh shit, we just lost anti-icing. And so what was happening was on the blades, the rotor head blades, there's these pads yeah. that heat the blades and keep ice from building up on it. Right. Because When ice builds up it changes the shape of the blade and the helicopter doesn't want to fly anymore and that's a bad thing right it's a bad day good bad that's bad (laughs) so i guess what was going on is these chunks of ice were slinging off the blades and hitting the tail which houses the tail rotor right yeah so needless to say it was scaring the shit out of all of us and uh the pilot says we're 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 aborting we're turning around so he banked the helicopter And immediately dropped the altitude closer to the water to try and get, uh, trying to find warm air, right? Trying to to get, because the higher you go, the colder the air is. And that, you know, we didn't didn't want the helicopter to stop flying. Yeah. So So. he, uh, he made the turn, lowered the helicopter. Um, There were a couple of smaller um, tap taps, um, but nothing like the couple of big ones we had. So we called back to the station and so I'm thinking they're gonna, you know, launch out another helicopter with another swimmer, and I- I'm not gonna be on this case. So he comes streaming over the hangar. He does this, you know, pulls the nose up, bam, sets the helicopter down on the deck. The pilots are amazing. The stuff they do with that helicopter—it's like part <laughs> of their body, right? And you know, we're in the back going, "Woo!" You know, we don't realize that you know this thing's not made to fly, and. Uh, well, sure enough they had pulled out a second helicopter and they had um cranked it up and there was a there was just a, a mechanic in the helicopter who started it up right and he's just sitting there holding it so we grab all our gear we race across the iced, snowy tarmac to the new helicopter and get in it i mean this transition must have taken five six minutes at the most and then he got permission again to take off right from the runway, straight up, banked it over, over the hangar. We went and back out to sea. So wow. Now, now we're in a second helicopter.
0: <laughs> and, and it's you know, there's gotta be I'm, I'm gonna throw this out there because you're now behind, like you're behind the curve. And I say that because you know, we we pride ourselves on a launch time, like whether it's 15 minutes, 20 minutes during this, whatever your launch time is, you know, you want to shrink that down as quickly as possible. You've launched and had to turn around, come back, and now you're going back out. That's people that are out there in the water that are like, holy cow, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. Where are they? And now you have this delay. That's that's, okay.
1: Yeah, and you know, the last call we got that they were Mayday and abandoning ships. So you don't know, are they in the water? Right, what's going on there and, and the, the amount of time they can survive in Alaskan waters, you know, depending on if they get a Gumby suit, if they don't get the Gumby suit. Right. So, right. And I'm not sure how much time has, has transpired about this, but yeah, you know, we're, we're dealing with our own issue. Wow. Is, right. The flying wow. was like, again, I said, I, the, the reason I, I'm still astonished that the pilots and flight mechanic didn't get, they got a, a medal a little lower than a, uh, an air metal, but in my book, they, they, they deserved an air medal as well. So, um, well, about this time we start heading out to Chiniac and, and now we're getting closer. And, uh, so I'm in the back again, I've handed off the radios again, I'm changing into my, uh, what I call getting wet gear, right. I'm getting my hood on my, <laughs> my, I got special gloves that have uh, fleece makes your hands useless, but at least your hands don't freeze, right? So you're putting these gigantic Gumby mittens on and I'm pulling my my, um, big black uh, fins on and mask. And uh, I slide up in the door and and you know, Jason, at that point you take your headset off so you don't know what's going on. So we had seen a raft out the door and about the time I slide up into the door, and I don't know if I saw it, the, the flight mechanic, but I think we, we kind of spotted it at the same time We we started pointing. There was a guy downwind of the raft, which we were all kind of focusing on when we first got on scene. Um, and then, you know, it was gnarly. The, these seas were 25 foot, but there were 30 footers coming in. And, you know, seas in that state, when they're riding together, they're not bad, right? It's just these big kind of rollers. But what happens is, some of them get out of sync and then they start smashing into each other. And it looks like a a, a washing machine, you know, everything's just going in every direction. Yeah. So the guys in the raft aren't doing too good, but we need to get the guy who's downwind because he looks like he hasn't made it fully in his Gumby suit. He's halfway in, halfway out. And it's like he froze or locked up with it around his waist and had, wasn't able to get his arms in there. You know, hypothermia sets in and it starts to cut the blood supply off to your arms and legs so he's not he's not functioning right now he's not able to do that so um that kind of gets us all amped up we need to get this guy so the pilots slide over i'm off ics and we're, i'm doing a lot of pointing the mechs pointing and i can see him talking to the pilots and um they they picked up on it pretty quick and we slid over and um i jumped in the water did a, a free fall deployment and um and you know it's amazing when you hit the water and you go under the water, right? So you're in this, you kind of land in this, this soup of mess and waves and wind, but you go underwater and everything's quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like dead silence and you're like, ah, the minute you come up it, you know, it's a shit storm, right? You're like, what the, this is, you know, they can't even make this in a pool in, in, in Hollywood. I mean, this, this stuff's just crazy. So I'm trying to swim to this guy and, you know, the waves are, you know, how you get in the top of the wave and you yep. look and you see the guy and you're like, woohoo. And then all of a sudden he's gone, right? Cause this wave goes up, the helicopter's over here behind you. And now a wave, you can't see him because the wave's high enough. It's covering where the helicopter is. And so you, you really just got to stay oriented to that guy. So I kept swimming, kept swimming. And, and, you know, we trained pretty hard in the pool and I always remember Bob Watson say, you know, one day we were doing one of our workouts and pushing it really hard. And I said, Well, what's your motivation? He said, The Bering Sea, which is, you know, Gulf of Alaska and where we're at. You know, I'm like, Baring oh, for God. the Bering. Hello, Bob Austin. So yeah, yeah. I was kicking it in and 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 feeling luck, lucky that we had those really hard workouts in Kodiak. And it took me a while, but I got to the guy and he was out of it. He couldn't talk, he couldn't move. This suit's full of water and the pilots and the crew. I mean, you know, it's like a, it's like a ballet out there. We're all, they know what I want. I didn't even signal yet. I, I wanted a straw, but they lowered a basket for some reason, but that's okay. We're going to use it. Yeah. Um, I couldn't get him in the basket. His, the whole, you know, those Gumby suits are oversized. They're made to be pulled on. It's got a hood over your head and you've got big mittens and you zip it up the front and it, it protects you from that environment. It, the water that's in there heats up from your body and that helped. some guys have, have gone 14 hours in a gumby suit yeah well he had this thing was just around his waist but the the feet had filled up and ballooned to three times their size Holy and cow. so you know and it was i was kind of funny because I, I remember hearing lobs talk about you know never pulling his knife out and, and i had never really pulled my knife out to do anything with it and i was thinking about like but you know his foot was somewhere in there and i, I didn't really want to hurt the guy with his foot so I'm trying to keep him afloat because he can't move. He's he's numb. He's babbling. Um, he's trying to move his hands, but he's so hypothermic. He's he's near death at this point. Um, and the pilots and, and the flight mech are being patient because I mean, I'm working on this guy in the water. I'm trying to get his, his legs off and his legs are twisted and he's locked up almost rigor mortis, right? So I'm trying to pull these things off. I'm having to go underwater, hold him up and reach and grab for this this suit and try and rip his legs off. And finally, after and again, in their time doesn't, you don't really know. I mean, it could have been three minutes, it could have been nine minutes, I don't know, but I finally got the suit off. And I got him in the basket. But the raft was still a good distance away. So um, we hoisted him up, they picked me up and we air taxied over. And I'll tell you, when you get back in that helicopter, you know, and you're like, holy crap. And you look back out the window, you're like, I got to go back in that. <laughs> That's what you do, right? It's yeah, what we do. That's yeah, no, what yeah. we train for. And, uh, you know, but I think for a moment there, any, any swimmer thinks that. It's like, oh, I got to go back into this thing. So two more times I went back in. Um, the guys in the raft, they were doing pretty well. They had gotten in their Gumby suits. They were in a raft. They, uh, they, they were moving around. So basically had to get them in the water, do a hoist, trying to stay out of the wave tr- troughs. You know, the waves were smashing into them. Um, but I got the second guy up and he was gone. And I immediately swam over to the raft. And as, as you know, we've talked about many times, if you leave the raft behind, it winds up getting blown miles away. Right. And then some boater inevitably calls this raft in again. And a crew goes out risking its life to try and save a raft. So for the first time, I was excited because I got to use my switchblade, right? I pulled that Ah. bad boy out and I started stabbing the raft in the water and uh, got hit by a couple of waves. And um, at one point, um, between the the second and third guy, I saw the screws of the uh, turtle boat in the the surf um, in one of the troughs. So it had popped up and the two screws from the boat had come out of the water, splashed down, and then that's the last time I saw it, it disappeared. So I I did get to see the actual um, boat that they had been on, made one last appearance Wow! um, shortly before the the third guy was hoisted. So now I I just want to get out of the water, right? It's not a nice place, not, not a good environment, so... I signal for the strop, but again, the basket comes down and I think, you know, the mechs, they get caught up in this as well as we do. So he just lowered what he had on there. Well, as swimmers, we don't want to get in the basket. No. It's a little confined space. I've got fins on and, but it is what I had, right? Yeah. And I, you have to, you I mean, it, you have to get contorted to try and get yourself in there because you've got three feet of fins coming out of your legs and this basket's made for a small man. Right. Right. <laughs> it seems like they've they, gotten better you know, now. They're much they
0: bigger. say it can fit two people, but uh, man, I don't think you and I'd fit in that basket. I'm just saying. No, especially
1: <laughs> in Alaska, you know, a, a big burly fisherman in a Gumby suit. Yeah. You, no, nope. you're not getting him in there. And, and Maybe that should have been brief beforehand. You know, we were going to use the sling to pick people up. It's where we, we just wrap it around them and we hook to them, and the two of us come up together, which is a much safer maneuver. So I wasn't excited about getting into this thing. And I finally get in there, I get my fins in there, and I hold on and I signal well, the helicopter drifts off while you're playing around in the basket and they pay out uh, extra line in the water waiting for you to get settled and then they kind of slide over plumb, and pull you up. Right. Right. Oh, well, well, all this cables in the water and they're starting to slide over two or three waves around me had collided together and I was caught in the center of this and I saw it I knew it was coming and I, I maybe got a half a sip of air and I was on the ride of my life. I mean, there's not, this is probably one of the few times I thought this is it. I'm going to die. There's just no way. And the basket got wrapped up in the cable underwater and is spinning. And so when these waves receded, the basket spun out like a um, yo-yo with me in the center. And when it locked out, I, I mean, I, I, that was it. I thought this is, I was glad to get air, but um, the the pilot and the the uh, flight mechanic were amazing. I mean, they 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 pulled full block on the on the hoist, started checking me out of the water. Um, I think the pilot even started raising up, you know, to 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 get me out of there because two more waves were coming to do the same thing again. And um, I threw up and because I was dizzy and just out, I mean you know, when you feel like you don't know what's going on, where you're at, I mean, that's spinning and being underwater in the whitewash like that. I mean, I've had some bad surfing, um, events where I've gotten caught in that whitewash, but this was, this was horrible. And as we're coming up, um, because they felt the need to pull me out of the water a lot quicker before being plumb, yeah. the basket shot into the air and immediately, pendulum swung up towards the tail Jeez. and so now i look up i'm starting to get my composure and there's the tail whale wheel and the tail rotor you know yeah. some feet away from me and i'm like oh my god this is all <laughs> i mean you i even you know it's like time slows down i'm like this sucks and when it swung back around i hit the wave and it stopped the pendulum move the helicopter got in line and they pulled me up. Um, I got in the aircraft, and I, I probably needed like two minutes just to get my composure. And now I look, and there's three fishermen laying on the deck, right? Yeah. So I got to pull out the thermal recovery. We've got little uh, sleeping bags that are made with what fleece lined or something. Yeah. And Super you, you thick, know, and put them in there, and you start trying. You know, the, we're we're getting the cabin heated up, and uh, the uh, the two fishermen were fine. The one the one gentleman. Um, I had to be real ginger with and and reheat them slowly because if you heat them too fast, that blood can rush to the heart and stop it. So um, I was very cautious on how I, how I got him. And uh, yeah, that, that was, you know, then we flew back and landed and there was an ambulance waiting for the one fisherman. And I think the other two walked off the aircraft and my legs were a little wobbly, but uh, wow
0: holy cow george that's that's insane
1: yeah that's why you know when you read it i'm like oh, that doesn't sound so exciting
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's the thing is is do you read these and you're like oh wow good job uh, no, yeah, no no you, you have that, no idea what you actually. don't get
1: the full story no, no. Uh, but uh, and and you know and i'm sure the pilots uh there was stuff going i mean the the pilot and flight mech were dealing with a whole litany of other things that I I I'm not a privy to because I was in the water just trying to you know get out of my situation right right um, and the pilots trying to maintain with such a small ceiling uh, they have to time those waves the flight mech he's got to, you know and you you you're a flight mech um, you've done some duties as a yeah. flight mech you know you've got to pay that line out just right I mean you can yeah. you can seriously hurt your guy in the water so again you know that's why. I always say I rescued three guys that day, but the pilot and flight neck, they they rescued four.
0: Yeah. That, that extra hoist. And, and you, I, uh, I will totally agree with you because when, when I'm hoisting, the last thing I want to do is jerk somebody off the ground, you know, or, or injure the guy that I'm trying to save or the the rescue men, like that's, that is always running through my mind.
1: Yeah. And that's why we train and, you know, and and it's a team event and, uh, all too often, they want, to, they want to try and give one person, um, you know, a medal. And um, I, I'm always against that. I think if one guy gets that medal, the whole crew should get that medal. And, and those guys in my book are heroes. And, yeah. you know, I'll always be grateful to them. I, I
0: totally agree. Yeah. yeah, I absolutely agree. And, you, you know, like, you, I've mentioned this before as well. You get the guys in the aircraft. It's not like everybody's job is done. It's, we're not done. We've just completed the hard part. Now, the next step, and I'm maybe it's not, maybe that's the hard part. I, you know, I, it's, it's, again, case dependent, patient dependent, but you got to rewarm guys. You got to take vitals. You know, right. the, the pilots still have to get us home. You know, one of the stories that we heard uh, not too long ago is from vegas those guys in vegas they picked up the patients and now the pilot has to go back in and pick the rescue men up they're not done not we're not done until we're back on base and sitting down in a debrief and and like maybe a coca-cola in hand maybe a maybe we're finally having a beer to to relax and be like oh wow what a case but yeah Well, you know that
1: that water is so cold in alaska you know when we get new swimmers in kodiak and i don't know if they still do it but we always uh tried to go out. early in the year before the, the weather got really bad. And we did what we called uh dry suit appreciation day. And we'd get over to the crab house and we'd, all the swimmers <laughs> just in our, our swim shorts, we'd swim out around a uh, 25 feet around a, a pole in the water and come back. Yep. And just, I mean, you're in the water maybe, what would you say, Jason, two or three minutes?
0: Not long and, Long and we're to all it.
1: hightailing it we're trying to run back to the showers <laughs> and you know your legs aren't working your arms aren't working but it, it was always good because it taught me every time I was in the back of that helicopter and I knew somebody was in the water I, I knew what it feel, felt like so right. you know I'm staring out that window and, and I could feel their pain and doing everything I could and and the crews of the helicopters doing everything they could to try and get those guys as fast as possible because they're not going to make it.
0: Yeah. Wow. Good job.
1: <laughs> I'm exhausted. Just tell. Me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and oh, man, it's 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 fun because uh, you know we talk about this too. Every one of us could could do that job. You know, the the guy that actually had the duty could have done that job. It just so happened. He cut his finger, went to the clinic and poof, now you're in the helicopter.
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, all the swimmers go through such such a, a great training program. By the time they get to be swimmers and they're standing duty, yeah, you could, you could plug any one of us into that position and they, they would have done a stellar job. I mean, the, the professionals and the swimmers we worked with there at the time when I was in Kodiak and the chief of the shop, mm-hmm. I, I just, I felt fortunate. It was amazing. Um, and, and, it was the pinnacle of my career, you know, shortly after that, I became a warrant officer and I really didn't care for that job. And, um, I left the rescue swimmer, but, you know, it's, I think it's a younger man's, um, gig, you know, when I was in my twenties, I didn't, I didn't think about dying. I, 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 I wanted the next, you know, I wanted to push myself to the limits. I started to get into my thirties. I, I would hear the whoopee go off. I Oh, no, <laughs> no. You get into your 40s, you're like, what am I doing? This yeah. is crazy, right?
0: It's <laughs> oh, awesome. It's got to be a better way to make a living. Yeah. me, I love this. I can't, I, man, I'll yeah. do this. I'm I used, to, this I used to tell
1: time. the new guys all the time when I, we they come out and do their first flight with me, and I'd scream in their ear on the way up, their very first Kodiak flight. I'd scream, we get paid for doing this. And they'd look at me like, what?
0: <laughs>
1: oh, man. I loved my job. I loved yep. it. Me too. I it. I miss oh. it.
0: Oh, right. well, come hang out with me for a little while. It'll be all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> man, I although I, I will say, I mean, it's been a long time since I've been in any waves that are 25 feet or bigger. Maybe heck, even 10 feet or bigger. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a hot minute. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, that you know, anything over two foot is uh, extreme nowadays. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Can we turn this down a notch? Easy does it now. <laughs> Where's the hot
1: tub? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Man, George, thank you for sharing that. That is incredible. Hey, my pleasure, yeah. Jason.
1: I, nice I think job. you're doing a good thing here. I, I thank enjoy you. your uh, your podcast, so awesome. appreciate it. Well, I,
0: I mean, I do have you on here. So uh, if there are any other memorable ones that you've got, and you want to share? the floor is yours you can
1: i have so many jason i don't even know where to start you know i will have to we'll have to chat about that and come up with some i I'm, all right you know, i'm gonna have about 30 of them in my book
0: which um, i'm very excited to when that comes yeah, out
1: sharks and gazes hoping hoping uh, the editing process is grueling um so hopefully i can have that ready by uh sometime next year 2022 we'll see
0: all right well, oh, man, I, again, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Again, a second time. Yeah, Rescue here. It's awesome. Rescue swimmer number 122, <laughs> George Cavallo. <laughs> Woo! All right, awesome. Jason, thank you. Hey, thank you. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute and like my daughters like to tell me, like and subscribe. Oh, yeah. I'm pulling chocks and taking off, but before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story that they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you as a guest. Or, if you have any questions about any of the rescues or anything else that we talk about here on this podcast, send me an email, therealrescue at gmail.com, that's T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q at gmail.com. You can also check us out on our Facebook and Instagram page at The Real Rescue. That's at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. I also want to give a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember that when that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard.